Happiness is being filled with the Spirit. This is the final message in a series on happiness is, and I hope that you have benefited by the ministry of the Word. Ephesians 5.18 is the challenge. Be filled with the Spirit. Verses 19 through 21 record the results. Take your Bible and after the word Spirit in the margin, write results. Because verses 19 to 21 give you the results of being filled with the Spirit. Number one, joy and song. Number two, giving thanks always. Number three, submitting to one another. I declare if we could live in Ephesians 5, 18 to 21, this world would change overnight. Be filled with the Spirit, the results, joy and song, giving thanks always instead of the grouchy, griping spirit and submitting to one another, not lording it over one another, but submitting in marriage, submitting in employee-employer relationships, teacher-student relationships, all of that would be taken care of if we practiced Ephesians 5, 18 to 21. Now, I would maybe have given this message, this title, if I thought the people out there could have understood it, Happiness New Testament Style because that's exactly what this passage is presenting to us, happiness, New Testament style. It is being discovered by thousands and thousands of people outside the Pentecostal tradition, Catholics, Presbyterians, Methodists, you name it. There are thousands finding out what it means to be filled with the Spirit, and they're discovering happiness, New Testament style. John 3, 8, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, contains this idea. When Jesus said to Nicodemus, the wind bloweth where it willeth. Man doesn't choose where the Spirit's going to blow. God chooses, and it's up to us to turn our face to the wind. Where the wind is blowing, turn your face to the wind. Be filled with the Spirit. Isaiah 12, 3 speaks of drawing from the wells of salvation. That's an Old Testament way of saying, be filled with the Spirit, draw from the wells of salvation. John 7:38, when Jesus was speaking on the great day of the feast, he talked of having living water flowing out of our innermost being. And then he said, or rather the scripture says, this spake he of the Spirit out of your innermost being, flowing a well of living water, the Spirit bringing it about within. No joy is deeper than the joy that comes when God fills your life. The joy of religious emotion is the deepest of all emotions. I don't care what emotion you're talking about. The joy of religious experience is the greatest joy and the greatest emotion known to man. I have seen it over and over again at this altar and altars where I have preached through the years. People rising from their knees saying, Oh, what peace I feel! Or, Oh, what joy I feel! Tears trickling down their cheeks, talking about a newfound joy and a newfound peace and a newfound life. I have seen them throw their arms around the necks of others, rejoicing in what God had done for them. 
I have even seen some of them do a little dance when they got up from their knees because they couldn't contain the thrill of finding Christ and knowing his presence within. I think the psalmist in Psalm 18:29 must have had that kind of an experience when he said, For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. Hallelujah. Do you understand that kind of language? The language of religious emotion and ecstasy of being filled with the Spirit of God. You get what you go after in life, you know. You will get today what you have come to receive. Blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You will only get the measure of your desire today as you come into the house of God. I pray that if you want happiness, then you will open up to be filled with the Spirit. You will draw from the wells of salvation, for that is where happiness truly emanates from, where you will find satisfaction. Now, your bulletin gives you room to write the outline of our message so you will not forget it. There are three major points to my message, and then under each of those points, there will be about four sub-points. First of all, what is being filled with the Spirit? What is being filled with the Spirit? Now, some of you would think that I would immediately begin by talking about Acts 2-4 and speaking in tongues, but I'm not going to start there. I'll end there later. Because I feel what is being filled with the Spirit is something different than that, really. First of all, it is caught up in the thrill of Jesus' presence and power. It is being caught up in the thrill of Jesus' presence and power. The early church is an example. If you read the book of Acts carefully, you will see how these people fell in love with Jesus and they talked about him everywhere they went. Jesus was the theme of their song, the theme of their conversation, and it turned the world upside down as they went out thrilled with the presence of Jesus and his power. And we are sensing today in this era a sense of this. People are becoming more open in their witness for Christ, I believe. It is not uncommon for people to be heard saying in the markets and in the business places, praise the Lord and thank you, Jesus. I was on the campus of Stanford this week and we stayed in a crummy dormitory, ceilings 14 feet high, had to walk 50 yards to the bathroom and the shower down the hall. It was uh, interesting. The only difference in what I experienced this week and what I experienced when I went to college was I had a woman in the room with me this week. It took me back 25 years. And in that same dormitory, the Stanford football team was staying. And man, those guys are big. And my wife and I were walking uh, down the sidewalk one day, and I don't even remember what we were talking about, but I just suddenly heard myself say, well, praise the Lord! And I turned around there with two of these hulks looking at me in the strangest way. 
what's the matter with this guy anyway? And I just smiled at them as big as I could. Because it's not unusual when you feel Jesus' presence and power to just have it come out. Well, praise the Lord. Why not? They're giving us all their cursing and all of that ugliness. Why shouldn't we start saying, praise the Lord. Let them look for once. And that's what being filled with the Spirit is all about. You just feel it down within. Does He possess you? That's the question. Does He possess you? Secondly, under what is being filled with the Spirit, it is sampling the supernatural. Sampling the supernatural. And our world is interested in the supernatural. That's why the occult prospers. Magic shops prosper. That's why people are getting rich as soothsayers or palm readers or whatever because people are interested in the supernatural. But it's all counterfeit. It's like Simon Magus in Acts 8 when he saw the power of God through the disciples. He said, give me also this power. How can I buy it? How much does it cost? You can't buy it. It is living where God is doing what he specializes in. The supernatural, the impossible. That's what being filled with the Spirit is all about. That's what makes this church different than some other churches. And I pray for those churches that they will discover the power of the impossible and the supernatural. Some of these pastors say, how do you think you can build a building that will cost $7 million in this day of inflation? No problem. It's not our building. It's God's church. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And it's all coming in. Hallelujah. Because we live in that which God specializes in. The supernatural. The impossible. It's what causes doctors to look at an x-ray. Three days after, he said, there's a brain tumor and can't find anything now. It's what brings people to this altar for prayer and they come later in the week or they phone and say, the doctor couldn't find what he thought I had. It happens all of the time. Because being filled with the Spirit is sampling the supernatural. It's when your son or your daughter's lying in bed raging with fever and you go to the cupboard and find some Wesson oil if that's all that's there. And you go and anoint that child in the name of Jesus Christ and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. And they're healed without calling me. Not that I don't want that. But all of us can be filled with the Spirit and it's living in the supernatural. It's experiencing what God specializes in. Hallelujah. That's what, what, what it was in the book of Acts, and that's what made these men so different and turned their world upside down. Oh, I'm praying that God will do it in Sacramento. Dear old Governor Brown doesn't know what's going to happen to this city. And our mayor and our city officials, I believe God wants to shake this city. He wants this city to experience the supernatural in the right way. And I feel it burning in my soul today. Watch out! Being filled with the Spirit is sampling the supernatural, watching what God can do. Hallelujah. Thirdly, it's an obsession to please the Lord. 
an obsession to please the Lord. It's like the amateur radio operator. He's got a little thing up over his garage, and he's obsessed by it. His wife wants him to come to dinner, and he won't come. He's obsessed by that radio thing, and he's talking to somebody in a foreign country. Stays up nights talking to people all around the world. He devotes his money, his time, and his strength to that little radio station he's got up over his garage. He's obsessed. He's filled with the spirit of radio. That's what it means, really, to be filled with the spirit of Jesus, obsessed by Jesus. Billy Graham read the letter from a young man who turned to the Communist Party when he was in Mexico, a college student from America. He wrote to his fiancée, breaking off their engagement, and he said, we communists have a high casualty rate. We have a philosophy of life which no amount of money could buy. We have a cause to fight for, a definite purpose in life. We subordinate our petty personal selves into a great movement of humanity. And if our personal lives seem hard or our egos appear to suffer through subordination to the party, then we are adequately compensated by the fact that each of us in his small way is contributing to something new and true and better for mankind. The communist cause is my life, my business, my religion, my hobby, my sweetheart, my wife, my mistress, my bread, my meat. I work at it in the daytime and dream of it at night. Its hold on me grows, not lessens as time goes on. Therefore, I cannot carry on a friendship, a love affair, or even a conversation without relating it to this force which both guides and drives my life. I evaluate people, books, ideas, and actions according to how they affect the communist cause and by their attitude toward it. I've already been in jail because of my ideas, and if necessary, I'm ready to go before a firing squad. That's being obsessed. I ask you today, are you obsessed with Jesus Christ? You say, I'm a Christian. Are you obsessed with Jesus Christ and the spirit of Jesus Christ? You will not only live for him, you will die for him if need be. That's what I'm talking about. Being filled with the spirit is having a one-track mind. For me to live is Christ. This one thing I do. He cares about pleasing his master, this spirit-filled person. There's no question about what is right and what is wrong. He's obsessed with a magnificent obsession. Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Then fourth, it's a totally new nature. I guess the kids would say it's being hooked on Christ. It's turning our sinful, selfish, I want what I want, when I want it, nature to God. It affects how I talk. It affects the way I pay my bills and how I work for my employer and how I drive my car, how I raise my children and the way I speak to my wife. One of the greats said, I am a love slave of Jesus Christ. That's what it means, a totally new nature. You don't frequent some of the places you used to frequent. You find your language changing until even the dog doesn't know how to react. 
nature is different. You're filled with a new spirit. Once there was the spirit of hatred and animosity and anger. Now there is the spirit of love and joy and peace. You're different. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Now, the second main point is how do you prepare for this infilling of the Spirit? How do you prepare for it? If you're not there today, how do you prepare for it? Number one, don't be afraid of what God will do. Don't be afraid of what God will do. Do you know my discovery is that people come to church scared to death that God's going to do something? They're just as nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof when they come to church. Oh, I hope it doesn't get too noisy today. Hope the pastor doesn't do that little dance he did a couple weeks ago again. They're just scared to death that something unusual is going to happen in church. You know how to prepare for what I'm talking about is not to be afraid of what God will do. One of the most beautiful words is in Acts 2-4 when the church was gathered in that upper room. It says that they were all with one accord, which means there was no fear there. There was no anxiety there. They were just waiting on God and were ready to have God do what only God can do, fill them with his power. And they received because they were not afraid. They were in one accord. We need to understand Zechariah 4, 6. It says there that we are not to serve him with might or with power, but by his spirit are we to serve him. And we need to understand that. It's not to our cunning, not to our education, not to our power or our ability, but it's through his spirit that we live and move and have our being. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid of God. If God is tugging at your heart and you're getting wet palms, don't be afraid of that. I know all about that. If you're uneasy and you feel like getting up and leaving, don't do it. Sit there and ride this thing out. That's God dealing with your heart. Hang on. Don't be afraid of what God will do. Don't be afraid of the conviction in your heart. The best moments of your life are about to burst upon the scene. If you will not be afraid of God and of what God will do in your life. The second way to prepare is to surrender. Give yourself over to God. There are three kinds of people that sit in church today. There are the God-conscious people. They're thinking of God. They're thinking of his word, what he can do and will do for them. Then there are the self-conscious. They're afraid to raise a hand for fear someone will see them. Afraid to sing because they're not the best singer in the world. Self-conscious. They're afraid they're not dressed as good as somebody else. Self-conscious and they're held back. But then there is the third kind, the unconscious. Sometimes their head goes back and their mouth Flies open and I pray for a big horse fly to come by. <laughs> I don't know if there are any unconscious folk here. I haven't noticed yet. But you can be unconscious and be looking at me full bore. Just unaware totally of what God is doing. 
Don't fall into that category. Wake up and surrender. Wake up and give God a chance. He's got his finger in the middle of your back. Raise your hands and say, I surrender, Lord. I give up. I give you my life. And the third thing you've got to do is to renounce false teachings and practices. I'm amazed at how many false things get into the church these days. Somebody said to me a few weeks ago, I'm a Christian, but I believe in reincarnation. Nonsense! You're not coming back in some other form. You'll never find that in the Bible. Where do we get these crazy ideas? You have to renounce false doctrine and false images of God. Mind science. The denial of the Trinity. Jesus is the Son of God, and the blood of Christ is efficacious for our sins. You have to believe these things that the Bible teaches. All cultish practice and belief that's not based on the Bible and built around a strong leader must be renounced. That's a good sign, by the way, to know where the source is. Is it built around some human strong leader rather than the book of God? Fortune-telling, spiritism, even the horoscope. You've got to renounce that stuff. And live by faith and faith alone and believe what God has said and move in it every day of your life. Be filled with the Spirit. Some of you need to renounce some things today that you've gotten hooked up in. Give them up. Get back to the basics. The fourth thing you need to do is to know the truth of your two natures, spirit and flesh. Quit saying yes to the flesh and yield to the spirit. You begin singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs when you yield to the Spirit and stop saying yes to the flesh. One of our men wrote me a poem, sent it to me this week. He said a few weeks ago he decided he was going to stay home on Sunday morning because there was a football game going to be on. And as he turned the TV on for the football game, some preacher was just finishing his sermon before the football game, and it so convicted him that he went to his desk and wrote a poem, sent it to me and said, share this with the church. Don't let them fall into this trap. And I laid it on the secretary's desk to put in the mailer soon so you could read it for yourself. It's great. Because it's so easy to yield to the flesh and say, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I feel like. That's the problem of the world today. They do what they feel like doing instead of what they ought to do. And you have to understand that. In order to be filled with the Spirit, you have two natures, flesh and Spirit. Stop saying yes to the flesh and say yes to the Spirit. Give yourself unreservedly to God. and Let the flesh take care of itself. Let the Spirit control instead of the flesh. That's how you prepare now. How to be filled. Thirdly, in the newspaper some time ago, another preacher in town, another church, had as his sermon title announced, Is Pentecost Another Babel? And knowing the nature of that church, I can just imagine what he said that it is another Babel, that it brings confusion, and he probably said it's of the devil. But I'm here to tell you today, it's not of the devil, and it's not another Babel. It's the most beautiful thing that God sent to his church. 
Let us read, for example, Mark 16, 16. These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall speak in new languages. Acts 2, 11, we do hear them speak in tongues, the wonderful works of God. How could we say it's of the devil when we do hear them speak the wonderful works of God? Acts 10, 46, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. 1 Corinthians 14, 5, I want you all to speak in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than any of you. 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he that speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Now let me put it into context for you. The most unruly member of our bodies is our tongue. The hardest member to control is the tongue. James said it's like the rudder of a ship. It's just a little thing underneath, but it runs the whole ship. He said it's like the bridle in a horse's mouth. It's just a little thing. But it turns that great big animal whatever direction you want it to go, just a bridle. And he said it's like a fire of iniquity. The tongue can kill. It's like the adder's bite. And God has a tremendous sense of humor. When God recognized that the tongue was the most unruly member of the body, he said up in heaven, now I'm going to take control of that in a supernatural way so that people will know they're really filled with the Spirit because it's not them speaking, but it's me speaking through them. It's not their intellect. It's me giving them the inspiration to speak in languages they have not learned out of a book. I say, thank you, God, for doing that because I run out of words so quick and my intellect is so limited that when I pray, God can pray through me with languages that I know nothing about. And verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 14 becomes a reality for me. He that speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And I look at the world and I say, what's the matter with the world? And my mind says the world is not edified. They have to take pills. They have to go to psychiatrists and psychologists. And they have to do this and they have to do that. They wake up with booze and they have to go to sleep with it at night. They're trying to be edified with sex and alcohol and education and all of this other pleasures of all kinds when in the Bible is the answer. He that speaks in tongues edifies himself and we need to be edified. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. It's not you in control and me in control. It's God in control, and he's edifying us through this marvelous gift of the New Testament. Hallelujah. Oh, why should we be afraid? It doesn't come from without. It comes from within, and it's not a momentary release or a momentary pleasure, but it lasts through Sunday and on into Monday and Wednesday and Friday. You're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and you're able to give thanks in everything, and you're submitting to one another in the fear of God, and everybody is happy because happiness is being filled with the Spirit. Oh, how we could miss it. We're trying to do our thing, intellectualizing this marvelous gift of God. It's happiness with a capital H. God knew what we needed. Our spirit speaking to God instead of speaking with intellect. 
A person speaks in childlike faith and trusts God to form the words and the floodgates are open. And I do it every day and I'm edified. Happiness is being filled with the Spirit. Now we don't stop there. We go on to Galatians 5 to the fruits of the Spirit. There must be other evidences. There's love there. is peace. There is joy. There is temperance there. Long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness. Is it all there? Hello? Is it there? Fruits! Let's not go out and say, I'm filled with the Spirit and live like the devil. Kick people around. The fruits of the Spirit have to be there. And they can be if you're edifying yourself day by day. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always in all things, submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. Oh, what happiness. Glory to God. I wish I could just inject you with it today, every one of you. Now I've got to quit. What's the best time to enter into such an experience with God? I'm asked that so often. When should I get with this? You're glad you asked. In New England, three people were discussing the subject of what's the best time to cut an ash stick or a cane? Those of you who may not know, ash is a very valuable timber with strong wood, very strong wood. They were discussing, when do you cut an ash stick for a cane? One fellow said, in spring, when the sap is there, that's the best time. Another man said, no, in the fall, when it's dry and hard, that's the best time. Finally, the third man, he was wise and old. He knew how hard it was to find an ash stick shaped like a cane. And he said, gentlemen, the best time to cut an ash stick is when you find it. <laughs> oh, what wisdom. Oh, what wisdom. The best time to cut an ash stick is when you find it. When is the best time to surrender to Jesus Christ? It's when you find him. The best time to be filled with the Spirit is when the Spirit is tugging at your heart, like right now. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That is the promise of God. This is the best time. As the Spirit prods you and encourages you and convicts you and helps you see yourself in His eyes, that's the best time. And I want you to know He's available. His arms are outstretched to this congregation. He loves you. And he's ready to forgive you of your sin. He's ready to fill you with the Spirit. You can be filled so that you will sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. You will give thanks in all things and you will submit to one another in the fear of God. Happiness is being filled with the Spirit. And God knows how this world needs it. We're so selfish, so filled with ourselves, so filled with our own goals and our own desires. Oh, God, fill us with your spirit so that we'll know what happiness really is. Let's bow our heads all over the church, please.
And as God has taken up residence in this building for these moments, will you respond to him today before I pray? How many of you have come to church realizing you need Jesus Christ in your heart and in your life? You know that you haven't been serving him, but you want to serve him. There is put within you a desire. This is the best time. Surrender to Jesus today. Could I help you do that by asking you to raise your hand as high as you can raise it and say, Pastor, that's me. I surrender to Jesus. God bless you here and over here and back here. Ladies, back there in this section, over to my left under the balcony. God bless you. Keep raising them up in the balcony over here. and On both sides of the balcony, I see hands. God bless you. Are there others? Once I've seen them, you may put them down. Back over here, yes. Over to my right on the lower floor. God bless you here, ma'am. God bless you here. And back there, thank you, buddy. Back there, God bless you, sir. Hallelujah. Jesus loves you. Be filled with the Spirit. Oh, that's happiness. Having God inside. Are there others that I could pray for? Jesus will hear our prayer. He said in his word to us that the effectual fervent prayer of a man in right standing with God avails much. Let me pray for you. Are there others? Quickly, just raise your hand. Yes, I see another one over here to my right. Thank you. Thank you. Come to Jesus. Back here, thank you. God bless you. Come to Jesus. Father, touch these dear people. Many have raised their hands and they want to serve you. We just thank you for their desire and the best time to receive you is when you're talking to us. Come into these lives. Forgive them of their sins. Right now, Jesus, write their name down in the eternal book of God and may they know, may they know that they've passed from death unto life. Thank you, Jesus, for touching them. How many of you who have received the Lord would say, Pastor, I need to be filled with the Spirit. I know there are areas of my life that are not under his control, and I want to respond to the message today. Would you raise your hand wherever you sit? All over the building, hands are going up. God bless you. You can be. While the Spirit is dealing, just respond. I would ask you all to stand without breaking the spirit of this moment. Just stand to your feet. Nobody moving for just a few moments. Let's respect one another and give everybody an opportunity to receive all that God has in store. I'm asking my associates to move to the altar. Those of you who have raised your hands, I would like you to move from where you are to the front. I've prepared some material I want to give you to take home with you. Everyone Jesus called, he called publicly. He said, come, follow me. And I ask you to come as we sing.